Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Moving Up the Ladder, a show that gives you some knowledge and insight into the success of your career or business, no matter what part of the employment spectrum you fall on. With LocalJobNetwork.com Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Today's show focuses on leadership, more specifically, personal leadership development. Often due to time and financial constraints, businesses aren't able to provide leadership development opportunities for their employees, so sometimes you got to take it upon yourself to grow as a leader. Today, we welcome back Ron Riggio, PhD, the Henry R. Kravis Professor of Leadership and Organizational Psychology at Claremont McKenna College in California. Thanks once again for joining us, Ron. Thank you for having me on. If you could briefly just, uh, again, run through maybe the mission of the Kravis Leadership Institute and your role there in terms of this whole idea that we talk about in leadership. Well, we really do two things. We, uh, we conduct research on leadership, and one of the areas that we really focus on is the development of young leaders. Because we're a college, we're dedicated to the development of our own students as leaders in their future careers. So I'd say that we... Um, split our time between research, trying to understand best practices in developing leaders, and then um, actually putting those practices into play in developing our own students' leadership potential. And I'm the former director of the Institute. Now I'm one of the faculty members here. So obviously you have a lot of insight into this, and that's why we like to come to you for this type of topic. Clearly, what you guys are doing over there and in other areas, people try to help with this idea of developing leaders, but there is a point where it's a personal responsibility, so to speak. So in your mind, where does one start their personal development, so to speak, in terms of being a leader? Well, I think that's a critical element is that you have to first accept the idea that you're a leader. Now, that may be hard to, uh, you know, for some people to get their head around Mm -hmm. because you think if you're in a leadership position or in your ma- if you're in a management position, then of course you're a leader and you need to develop. But I think a lot of folks don't think about, they're put into supervisory positions and they don't think of themselves in kind of the larger leadership domain or they don't conceptualize themselves as leaders per se. You know, I'm a supervisor, I'm a manager, mm-hmm. but it really is about adopting and developing the best practices that we know from research and we know from practice, uh, the best practices for leaders to be effective. And so I think the first step is really kind of labeling yourself, saying, hey, I'm a leader. Um, I want to be a better leader. And I think that's the first place. And you brought up an interesting point there that often gets talked about actually in our offices. It's this idea of managers versus leaders, that there is a difference. And even specifically, you may not have a high-ranking position in an organization, but you can still be a leader. I guess, how do you differentiate those ideas of having a title that gives you a leadership role as opposed to actually being a leader and having those qualities? Well, one of the things that we try to emphasize and, and we try to focus our students on is the idea that, yes, anybody can lead. Anybody can help move an organization or an entity forward. And you don't have to be in a designated leadership position to do that. Right. And the reality is, and I think we'll see this as we sort of get more into leadership, but the reality is that leaders don't do leadership alone, that they do involve followers Steve Jobs didn't invent everything at Apple by himself. Um, he was the designated leader, the, the uh, most visible leader in the organization. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people that were doing leadership at Apple. So I think the distinction between managers and leaders is probably overblown, that the very best managers think about leadership 
and the very best leaders pay attention to when we think of managers or management, we think of the day-to-day sort of administrative duties. Well, a really good leader should understand the administrative duties and should understand managing too. But I think the best thing is for managers or anybody in a supervisory position to think of themselves in terms of their leadership. Another aspect that comes about often with this idea of leadership is are leaders born? Are they made? Isn't it an innate thing or can you actually teach anyone to be a leader? I guess what's your overall thought on that concept? Well, there's actually been some research on this last decade, some research using twin studies to look at, to sort of answer that question. Mm -hmm. And we use twin studies in psychology as kind of the litmus test to determine how much is genetic, how much is inborn, and how how much is developed or made. And that research estimates that uh, leadership is about one-third born and about two-thirds made. So the majority of it is in the maid is can be developed and we basically argue and we believe that everybody can help their leadership potential I, I mean i think that's an interesting fact that you bring up there at least according to the studies and but as you said your belief obviously what you guys are doing over there is that everyone can lead in in some respect and that's kind of all ties into this idea of developing personally whether you have some resources like your institute or maybe just a mentor type thing In terms of this development, though, for yourself, what role is there in terms of motivation or purpose? I would feel that people who really strive to develop or do more have some sort of overriding motivation or purpose that they can find. What's your take on that? Yeah, and that's really important. I mean, that's the starting point. You have to be motivated. You know, if you look at anything, you know, you want to lose weight, you know, more fit, an exercise program or whatever. I mean, the critical thing is motivation. You know, people have to be motivated to do the work that it takes to develop whatever it is. And the same thing goes for leadership. And there's lots of different ways of, or there's lots of different motivations that people have uh, for wanting to lead or for leading. Some people just want leadership positions. They like the accomplishments. They like to um, have an impact. Mm -hmm. And so that may be one motivation to lead. Other people may just want to lead because they feel like, you know, there's nobody else to do it. And so it's sort of out of a sense of duty. But the first step, obviously, is you've got to be motivated. You've got to be motivated to take on a leadership position. And then you've got to be motivated to say, hey, if I'm going to be a leader, I want to be as good as I can be. And so I'm going to engage in a development program. And you mentioned that there can be any number of motivators that that people use in this aspect. But based on your research and maybe some of your experience, are there one or two types of motivations that tend to be more or less effective, or is it just become so much of an individual thing? It's almost as if there's individual differences. You know, like I said, some people, they want to lead because they want to get things done. Other people want to lead because they enjoy the process. They enjoy the uh, working in a team and pulling the team together. And then other people just feel like, you know, I've got to do it. Somebody mm-hmm. has to step up and somebody has to has to be the leader. And so that's what gets you going. But then I think the next step is, regardless of what your motivation is to be a leader, I think you have to say, look, I want to develop. I want to be a better leader. And I also often use the analogy, particularly when we're working with college students or with young adults, is, you know, you want to be the best person you can be. And it's a parallel. You know, a leader 
really a great leader is a great person. They have the same qualities and characteristics that we admire in great people, whether they be leaders or not. Mm -hmm. So I think that what you want to do is you want to say, hey, I want to be as good as I can be. And you bring up that idea of a, a good leader, so to speak. If uh, if anybody's interested, we talked with Ron about that type of thing uh, earlier on one of our shows. If you go to localjobnetwork.com radio, you can find uh, it's uh, why being effective is no longer good enough. As opposed to being an effective leader, you also have to be a good leader. And that's, I think, a little bit what you're touching on there. I've read a lot recently in terms of development and this idea that many leaders are lacking true vision or th this idea of strategies where they're just leading to lead and there's not this overriding maybe belief or, or vision, as I said. Where does that come into play when you're talking about your own personal development? Well, I think a critical element of good leadership is that if you're going to get people to follow you, you've got to get an alignment of the kind of vision of where you think you're going and where the followers want to go. And so we often talk about the, you know, the vision thing, but the vision thing is really about using the vision to bring your followers together with you and get everything aligned so that you can all move forward. And so I think great leaders need to think about that a lot. They need to think about how can I, you know, how can I motivate people? How can I get people committed to this cause? And you want to create that vision in kind of a shared way. You want to not, you know, this shouldn't just be your vision. It should be the vision that you share with the people that you're leading. Mm -hmm. With this idea of strategy and these vision ideas, so to speak, I mean, do you agree that maybe that's been lacking a little bit, particularly if you're talking about the businesses here in the United States? I think so. I think one of the problems is that people, and I think this gets back to that distinction between leaders and managers. Mm -hmm. If you think of yourself as a manager, you think of yourself as sort of staying the course or, you know, just kind of keeping the the trains running, right? But the vision of the strategy is really about you know where are the trains ultimately going, and you know where should we be, and where should we be next year, three years, five years, ten years down the line. And so I think that what happens is people get so bound up in the day to day managing that they forget about the the sort of future oriented leadership. Where are we going? And then in getting back to the, this idea again of, of developing as a leader, truly trying you know almost yourself finding these ways to, to grow, what are some of those key components that would be important in terms of personally developing yourself as a leader? And, you know, and you, again, you can go wherever you'd like with this. I had mentioned things about different challenges or problem solving, learning experiences, but obviously want to get the uh, expert opinion of, of yours. Well, I think the first step is really self-awareness. And you've got to develop some self-insight and say, okay, you know, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What are the areas I should really work on? And so that goes two ways. You know, what are my strengths and how can I leverage those? How can I use them to, mm -hmm. the, to the fullest? But also looking at the areas that need attention. You need to get some feedback where you survey the people that you're leading, your subordinates. You survey the people above to say, well, what do you think of this person? You get peer evaluations. And the idea of this 360 is that you're really getting feedback about your own strengths and your own areas. We use the term weakness, but we can say targets of opportunity, right. our own personal targets. The other thing, too, is that's why I think coaching and mentoring programs are becoming so popular. Well, mentoring has been popular for a long time, but I think now 
uh, higher level leaders and actually not even the highest level leaders, but some of the middle level managers are now making use of coaches. Mm -hmm. We got to take coaching, I think, with a grain of salt because there's good coaches and, and there's some not so good coaches. But I think the critical element of coaching is that you're getting feedback from somebody. You're getting another person's perspective. So I think that's really the starting point is getting that kind of perspective on yourself. And you brought up the idea of these mentors and coaches, and that was going to be my question, is how do you know that you're relying on the right person or, or you're really following you know, solid ideals? I mean, is there really a, a formula to figure out who, who it is you should follow? You know, that's a, that's a tough call. But, um, you know, we started to use the term coaches, but I think probably the term mentor is better. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have mentors. We all have people throughout our lives, whether it be a parent or a relative or an older friend or, you know, whatever, a teacher, a coach. And we look at these people to sort of get a sense of, you know, what are the, some of the qualities we aspire to? And so I think in the same way, you want to find those mentors, people you trust. Uh, they could be peers. They could be people a step up. They could be people who are quite a ways up the ladder mm -hmm. uh, beyond where you currently are. But using those folks and getting their advice, and you know, they should choose these people carefully, but they should be people that you admire for that individual's accomplishments. You know, the other thing, too, is you don't have to have I mean, it's great to have the live mentor, to have the person you can spend that one-on-one -on -one time, and I think everybody should find those people. Mm -hmm. But I think, too, you can engage in kind of virtual mentoring. You know, you can read about a famous individual or someone that you really admire and try to use your assessment of that person's qualities and try to develop your own personal qualities in that same way. A little bit in a similar fashion, oftentimes you, know, you talk about that self-awareness and it's really you know, this assessment of yourself, which can obviously be difficult at times. In what ways can a leader, especially in the workplace, get feedback and maybe develop based on what other people talk about, how other people feel about them, particularly if they're peers that they work with or even uh, maybe it's people that they are managers over. That's important. And I think that you get a lot of benefit out of talking to the people that you're leading. Ask them, what do you think is going on? Uh, what do you think about my leadership? Here's the direction that I see us going in. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, just really sharing with people. And so I think you get the benefit of getting the feedback about yourself, where your strengths are, the kinds of things that people maybe uh, have some concerns over. So it serves one purpose of this kind of personal leader development. But the other purpose that that holds is it builds trust and it mm -hmm. builds the relationship with followers. And that's just going to make everything run more smoothly. So we talk about, and I think we talked about this last time, we were talking about the, the qualities of good leaders, this idea of authenticity. Be straightforward with people. You know, tell them, hey, this is where I think we should be going. I hope you're on board with that. You know, let me know your thoughts. And let's talk this out. And, you know, in that way, you're going to both strengthen the bond, strengthen the trust bond, with you and the people you're leading, but you're also going to get some insight when you're direct with them. They're going to be direct with you and they're going to say, hey, you know, we don't like it when you do this or we wish you would um, not fly off the handle or get, you know, get your emotions in check or whatever now and then when you get stressed. And you can get some very valuable insights from talking to people and just being straightforward. Well, that was one thing I did wonder in terms of what you guys teach there have to be situations where, you know, myself, say I'm going to go talk to a manager or maybe somebody even higher up the ladder, so to speak. 
how do you know that I would be giving you honest feedback? Because I, I do think the human element plays a role here where, yes, as a leader, I'm trying to get this po- this uh, honest feedback from you, but there's a, a certain maybe guarded nature to it because you don't want to offend. You don't want to you know, say something that maybe just comes off as bad or poor, so to speak. So how do you ensure as a leader that you're getting honest feedback as opposed to a little bit of of filtered responses? That's only something that you need to develop over time when you develop the relationship. People are always going to be, you know, a little bit guarded, particularly if if they're uncomfortable, particularly if there's a big sort of power differential, they're going to they're going to be on guard. And actually, we find that a lot. We do a lot of kind of 360 evaluations and we find often the the team members are very are either I don't think they're afraid of the leaders I think they're just sort of overly kind and optimistic mm-hmm. because when we ask the leaders to you know team leaders rate yourself they're usually harsher on themselves than their followers are so the followers give them kind of a a little bit of a a boost you know you know I think it's really about developing the relationship and developing the trust so that your followers, so that your subordinates feel as if, you know, they understand there's a power differential there, but they trust you enough to say, hey, you know, I trust that you're, I'm telling you this, and I hope that you understand that I'm doing this in the best interests of the team and in your best interests. So I think that eventually over time, you'll start to get some valid feedback from people. Yeah, I think that definitely makes a lot of sense. You know, just the idea that hopefully everyone believes they're all in it together and that it's all in the best interest of the team, the company, whatever it might be. And this follows along the path of something you mentioned earlier. An important aspect of developing as a leader is sharing that leadership. What can you speak to in terms of how important this aspect is in developing as a leader? As we move into, you know, the the sort of fast-paced world, and particularly if you're in the high-tech industries or you're in you're in some field that really is changing rapidly. You know, it used to be that the people who were in the management positions or in the leadership positions were the smartest. They knew the most about the, the process and about the product or whatever. You know, now things are so complicated that it's impossible for managers and leaders to have all that knowledge. Mm-hmm. And in this sort of knowledge economy or this, this sort of knowledge world that we live in, world of knowledge workers, we do have to rely on other people for information. We just simply can't have all of that. So in the same way that, you know, that we can't, uh, we can't do it alone, we can't innovate, we can't hold all of the wisdom you know, just by ourselves. And so we do have to call on other people. The other thing about it, too, is that if you learn to effectively delegate, to empower your subordinates, your followers, and get them to take an ownership and to take an interest and take on a chunk of the leadership, if you want to call it that, that's just going to make you more effective as a leader because you're going to have time to do other kinds of things. So I think that effective delegation is probably one of the most important skills that a leader has to learn, knowing how much to give to people, how much you can challenge them to take the leadership forward, to take charge of a certain aspect of the job but monitoring them carefully so they don't get lost and so they don't feel overwhelmed. But the second thing that you get from that is you share the leadership. That means, you know, many hands make light the work, as they say. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is you're developing those followers' personal leadership potential, too. So at the same time they're helping you, you're helping them get ahead. 
one area or, or time really that I, I see a lot, I, I read a, different things talking to people that you're happy to have a, a true leader in front of you is maybe a really difficult time or a time of crisis that, you know, again, people really need to look to somebody and feel, you know, this is who we can follow. But in what ways can you develop being able to handle those really difficult situations, or even, as I said, in a time of a crisis, whatever that may look like for your company, because it would seem like unless you're in it, how do you develop that? Are there traits that you look to? Are there certain skills that you focus on? I guess, what's your what's your input there? Yeah, well, Tim, I think this kind of leads back to what we talked about earlier. You talked about strategy and vision. And so if you have a, a strategy, a plan for moving forward, you should also have a strategy for how to manage setbacks. You know, so you think about, and, and you know, we think about this when we talk about strategic planning and, and uh, SWOT analysis, right? Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Mm-hmm. And so not just thinking about the goals, but thinking about what are the potential barriers, what are the potential threats, what are the stumbling blocks that we might encounter, and then developing strategies to overcome those. So I think it's really part of the strategy and part of the vision you know, and a good leader says, hey, you know, we're going to get there. We're going to get to the top of this mountain. But in the process, we're going to have these obstacles and we're going to want to have to develop strategies or develop ways of dealing with the setbacks, dealing with the obstacles. And what that's going to allow you to do is bring people on board and get people prepared for the fact that this is maybe not going to be a smooth ride mm-hmm. and maybe they're all going to have to pitch in and help. When we talk about crisis leadership, and managing crisis, one of the things that we know from the experts uh, in that area is that the best way to uh, prepare for a crisis is to just practice it. Hmm. You know, and we think about that, and we, you know, you think about okay, that seems a little crazy. It seems like a big <laughs> investment of time to prepare for you know all sorts of emergencies or crises. Right. But we see this with emergency preparedness, right? So we just had last week we had the big California shakeout here because we're earthquake prone. And so we have a big statewide practice session and so we had to evacuate right in the middle of classes and uh, took part in this. And that's really preparing us for how we're going to lead uh, those of us who have responsibilities for students or responsibilities for uh, employees it helps us to practice what we're going to do in that crisis. And it's an important point you bring up because it, it does seem like that is something that a lot of companies maybe aren't willing to take the time to do. I mean, we talk about not necessarily putting effort into training, whether because of time or money, but this idea of, of crises or uh, extremely down times, it seems like you're saying uh, you can do it. It's just a matter of really putting an emphasis on it. That's right. You, I mean, you, you absolutely have to do it. And again, it's that idea of, you know, you see this in medicine, you know, that prevention, you know, is so much better than having to, you know, to cure, you know, so if you can prevent disease as opposed to treating the disease after it's happened. Right. And it's the same thing. So if you can anticipate the setbacks, anticipate the problems, the crises, prepare for them, develop strategies uh, that'll help you get through those rough spots quickly, then that's time well spent. Because you know in a lot of cases you're going to have those problems. You're going to come up against those stumbling blocks. Now, obviously, we were talking a lot about in terms of how positively you can try to develop yourself, personally especially. 
with the, some of the things you teach or philosophies that you have, whether yourself personally or, or the different things at the Institute, what are some of the mistakes people make in trying to develop themselves as, as leaders? Well, I think one thing we're finding is that people can become very self-critical mm. and almost uh, to the point where it paralyzes them from moving forward. So this idea of being a perfectionist, you know, we're not asking people to be perfect. We're not asking people to be uh, saints, to be the great leaders that, you know, of history or whatever. What we're asking them to do is to, you know, try hard to be the best that you can be to kind of steal the old army phrase, right? Mm -hmm. Because people can get stuck. I have this one area that I really need to work on and I'm just going to work on this and I'm going to drop everything else. I mean, leadership development is an ongoing process and uh, you need to cut yourself a little bit of slack, but you need to work hard too. We're getting low on time here, but I did want to ask you this. And and again, I don't know if you have something in mind in terms of this question. And we talked about a little bit with mentors and coaches and how, as you said, you don't need technically to have a physical coach in your life, in your work area. Uh, It can be something where you're, you know, admiring someone or, or learning from them via, you know, online, obviously has plenty of information. Are there any particular people or places that you would direct people to in terms of, you know, some sort of mentor or an idealistic approach to leadership? Well, you know, I think there's a lot of resources out there, um, you know, and there's there's actually, you know, a lot of good books on leadership development that talk about a personal leadership development. A colleague of mine, I think, has a very good uh, leadership development book. His name is Bruce Avolio, A-V-O-L-I-O. And he actually focuses on that born versus made question. So he has that in the title. Okay. Um, you know, because he says that it's primarily made. And if it's primarily made, then we need to really work on it. Right. There are some other guides out there. Um, a lot of people use the Kuzis and Posner uh, model. I think that's a lighter version, but I think it's a very good model. So I think there's some books out there. I think there are. Um, there are some coaching organizations that can give you access to uh, coaches. But you know what? You don't have to pay a lot of money because uh, the Small Business Administration and some of these groups offer mentors, people who are retired, experienced business people who are willing to help young business entrepreneurs, uh, willing to help young managers. And so I think you can find a lot of free resources out there or very low-cost resources. Great. Well, I appreciate the insight there. And um, again, for anybody looking for that type of information, I mean, you know, so much of it is at your fingertips and Ron obviously helping us out with some more specifics. That will unfortunately bring this episode to a close here on Moving Up the Ladder. We trust you have some more tools and guidance now in developing yourself as a leader, no matter what your position, as we found out. Ron Riggio has been our guest. He is the Henry R. Kravis Professor of Leadership and Organizational Psychology. Ron, how can people learn more about you and also the Leadership Institute? They can go to the um, to our institute uh, website, and so it's real easy if they just go to uh, we're at Claremont McKenna College, so cmc.edu, and then click on the institutes there, and you'll find the Kravis Leadership Institute. And then I also have a. Uh, a blog, a leadership blog at Psychology Today. So if you go to psychologytoday.com, you can see my regular blog posts. My blog is called Cutting Edge Leadership. And I've actually got something up today on uh, how to deal with everyday hassles and stress. Great. Yeah, that, uh, that applies to everybody. And I would definitely suggest taking a look at Psychology Today, either the, the magazine itself or definitely online. Lots of good uh, psychological 
input but applied to everyday life, which is why I always love reading that stuff. Uh, Ron, really appreciate you coming on once again and uh, sharing your insight with us. Well, thank you for having me on, Tim. And of course, it's always great to hear from you, the listeners as well. So please drop us an email with comments or suggestions at ljanradio at localjobnetwork.com. Wishing you success in all your endeavors. I'm Tim Muma. You've been listening to localjobnetwork.com radio.